Hey everybody, how you doing today? Pastor Chip again. Hope everyone is doing well. And uh, today I was out with my buddy Josh. We were talking about things and of course the topic came up of what's going on in our world and other things and people that do things and and um, we're talking about talking about oh how do I say this I guess just people who's living a perfect life so to speak and you know so many people out there they they live that perfect life, but it's only on Sunday. You know, Preacher Johnny talked about it last week, that there's so many people, and I've said it many times before, there's so many people that come to church and want to get their feel-good theology, and then they bury their head in the sand when the preacher says goodbye. They don't want to say anything or do anything about it all week. And then you got people that see people sinning and say, oh, it doesn't, it's not pertaining to me. I'm not going to say anything. Or, you know, it's, they're, not, they're not hurting me or they're not hurting anyone, so I'm not going to say anything. I mean, I saw a thing on TV. Uh, a man was beating his dog with a two-by-four and chasing him around the pen. So would you stand there and say, he's not hurting me, so I'm not going to say anything about it? Because it's a dog and you think it's not worth your involvement? Or... What if the man that beats the dog with a two-by-four goes in the house and beats his kids with a two-by-four? Are you going to say anything? And, you know, sadly, people that know us as Christians, when you do try and correct them, they tell us, don't judge. But also, maybe... Is it the way that we correct them? You know, I mean, um, you know people that jump dead on you with both feet right out the gate, start screaming and yelling at you. Yeah, I know somebody like that. It just happened to me the other week. Just start screaming and yelling at you. And then when you bring it to their attention, they say, I'm not screaming and yelling. Oh, yeah, you are. If you have to scream and yell, probably something wrong with you. But what are we compelled to do biblically? Are we supposed to tell people to do things? 
You hear some people say, oh, you shouldn't judge. Well, it's not judging. Judging saying, if you don't stop what you're doing, you're going to hell. Well, you know, that's not our business. We don't know who's going to hell or not going to hell. But you can say what you're doing is sinful. You need to stop that. You know, um, doesn't matter if people are having affairs or stealing or eating too much or driving fast. You have a moral, biblical obligation to say something to somebody. And people will say, it's none of your business. Well, actually it is our business. And if somebody tells you it's none of your business, well, you just pick up your Bible. And I want you to turn to Ezekiel 3. And we're going to read 18, 19, 20, and 21. It says, When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. His blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. But you have delivered your soul. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you did not give him a warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. And there you have it. From the book of Ezekiel 3, 18-21, in case anyone begs to differ with you. So it is our responsibility to call out sin to the saved and the unsaved. It's not our purpose to stop them. It's not our responsibility to stop them unless it's a moral situation in which you have the ability to Intervene. If a man is drowning his child, you can stop him from drowning his child. But if a man is doing something that's not harming anyone but himself, how are you going to stop him? What's your basis for stopping him? And what it says here, God says that if a righteous man is stumbling that he would lay a stumbling block before him. How about that? Right there, you've got it. 
in 20, verse 20, that God will put a stumbling block before us and make things more difficult. And there's a lot of us that wonder why life is so hard. Why are we struggling and going uphill and busting our heads? Well, if you're not living for the Lord and you're going against Him and He's put a stumbling block before you, well, there you go. So... What are we doing about people, about sin, about righteousness and people living a wicked life, like he says? I'll tell you what we're doing. The records show that we're not doing nothing. Our churches are closing. People are running them up, doing what they want. Being ugly to one another. Living lives of sin. Acting like there's no accountability. Like we can just get a do-over, like I've said before. We can just do what we want to. God's not that big a deal. He's an all-loving God. He's, he's about love and forgiveness. It's funny how people conveniently have rewritten the Bible. <coughs> God's love and convenience. Forgiveness. He sure is. He sure is. They're absolutely right. But they forgot to add that part in there about to those who believe in Jesus, the only begotten Son who died for our sins. Those He forgives and loves and extends grace. But it clearly says in the Bible that every man will face judgment. So how... Can you say to your friends that God's all about love and forgiveness and then take out the judgment that we're going to have to face and the believing of Jesus and the repentance of your sins? You think when you get to heaven, do you walk up before that big throne of judgment and you think that God's going to say, oh, okay, well, we took this verse out. That don't apply to you. Oh, and you said this one don't apply. Let me line through that one. Oh, yeah, how about this one? Well, we'll get rid of that one. You think that's the way it's going to work? Actually, probably. He's going to say, you can say what you want to. The Bible that I gave you was a manual. It was to help you navigate through your life, give you ideas and directions, course corrections, uh, things to do, how to pray. It was a guide, 
a manual, like the Boy Scouts manual. But the fact is, there's no option of believing in my son. Well, there is an option. You believe or you don't believe. And if you don't believe, nothing else matters. You think that's the way it's going to go? You know, God sent Ezekiel as a prophet against the Israel nation. And he had him lie in the dirt on his side for 390 days. And eat bread that he told him to mix. He had to lay on his left side. Three hundred and ninety days lay on the your left side for the iniquity of Israel. And then he laid on his right side for forty because each day for a year of the iniquity of the house of Judah. Israel, Judah, were God's chosen people. And he sent a prophet and had him lay out there in front of the city gates on their sides. He had him shave his head and weigh it in thirds and split it up and do different things with the hair. He had him cook his meals over cow dung. And eat only that bread. And he did all that against the prized and beautiful cities, nations that are God's chosen people. And he had a third of them killed and third of them banished. These are his chosen people. God's nation that he brought out of Egypt, millions of people out of Egypt, he rescued. God's people, God's children, more close and personal to him than anybody, any other nation. And if he did that to them because of their iniquity. I'm just curious, what makes you think that we're going to fare any better? What makes you think America is going to last any longer, suffer any less, See, America wasn't even thought of when 
he did that to Israel. But he wrote this book. He gives us the plans. He tells us what we're to do. And we have a right and an obligation as children of the church to correct people that we see going astray. How do we correct people? If it's somebody close and personal, you tell them. If they don't listen, God's got to deal with them, right? But you told them, and you're clear in the eyes of God. If they're your elected officials, how do you change them? You do it at the ballot box. You don't sit at home and say, Oh, I'm not happy. I don't like that guy, and I don't like this guy, so I'm just not going to vote. Or, you know, my vote's not going to make no difference, so I'm just not going to vote. Because it's the same thing I tell people when I do an altar call. If you feel that you need to make a profession of faith, but you say no, not right now, then you've just said no. Because you see, if you're not for God, then you're against God. If you're not for this country, and vote and pray and pray and vote the way God guides you to vote, then you're against the country. And the blood and the iniquity shall be upon you. There's too much going on in our world that sitting by and not saying nothing is not going to help you. It's not going to get you out of jail. It's not going to get, you're not going to be looked over when they get through rounding up everybody else they're going to start rounding up the others so I wouldn't worry about saving your head I'd be worrying about saving your soul I like Ezekiel it's a pretty good uh, book to read you should read about some of the things that the Lord did to that disobedient nation. Pray, people, pray. Pray for our world. Pray for our leaders. Just pray. This is Pastor Chip. God bless. Thank you for tuning in, and everyone have a, a good day and a good night.